Hi everyone and welcome to Exploring the Midwest. My name is Jody, and I will be your guide as we chat with incredible people across the 13 Midwestern states and discover all the amazing things there are to see and do. I hope you enjoy our summer topics and I invite you to reach out to me at any time with topic ideas or destinations, attractions, or even people that you think I should know about. You can click through the show notes and leave a comment or connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Jody Halstead. Welcome again, everyone, to the Exploring the Midwest podcast. Today, we are wrapping up this month's theme of the quirkiest museums in the Midwest. And today, it might just be the quirkiest one ever. So my guest is Erica Nelson, and Erica is the creator of the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's world's largest things. And this is a great little museum in Lucas, Kansas, but it has probably the biggest, most tongue-twisting name <laughs> I've ever had to say. So Erica, thank you so much for joining me. I know that you are out working on an art commission uh, because you are an artist first and foremost, but I have to know where did this idea for the museum come from? And can you tell us what people can expect to see? Well, thank you, Jody, for having me on today. Um, it is a time twister, but that's also how it sticks in your head because <laughs> that's the very first challenge in figuring out where to go is being able to say the full world's largest collection, the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things, Roadside Sideshow X which is what the new storefront in downtown Lucas is called. So at the Roadside Sideshow Expo, you will see small versions of anything billed as a world's largest thing from across the US. So iconically, you think of the world's largest ball of twine in Cocker City, Kansas. Um, I have visited most of the world's largest things in the US after I visit them, I then make a world's smallest version of that world's largest thing. And because I've been doing this for 15 years, that's how I've ended up with the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. So once you parse it out, it's really easy to remember and say, and it just rolls off the tongue. But that is what you will find in downtown Lucas at the Roadside Sideshow Expo. That is just fascinating. What, what kind of drew you to do that? I mean, because I know that a lot of people, when they road trip, those largest things are, you know, it's kind of those stopping points that you take along the road to break up those long road trips. So what inspired you to start creating these small, and these are like three-dimensional versions. They're not, I mean, these are, it, it's just like you took it and you put it into a machine and just miniaturized it. <laughs> yeah, they are, um, I consider them small sculptures. And the reason that I started them was that, yes, they are the things that the kids in the backseat are going to scream at you to stop at. Of, hey, there's a, a giant rooster. Mom, can we stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? Uh, and we, I only hit 50% stoppage in growing up. <laughs> so once I started to be able to drive, that's what I decided needed to be 
uh, my driving force. And when I started stopping, I found out that there's a reason people build these things. And that story was really important either to the maker or the town or the region, or sometimes just advertising. But they didn't always have souvenirs of themselves. Um, sometimes there'd be stickers or there'd be um, uh, some tchotchkes, but there would never be an adequate miniature. So I started making them for myself first, but then it just became this sort of funny exercise that I was doing for myself, but realized it was a storytelling tool. It was a way to share these communities' stories. So um, I started gathering them together and the very first public showing was in a mobile museum. So I was living on the road at the time in a bus converted into a living space, painted it up like a circus bus and started adding my collection to the window displays so that whenever it was parked, it become, became this mobile display of what exactly I was looking for on these, these epic road trips. Oh, how fun. That just, it's so fascinating that, that something like that can just start a passion almost and, and just become such a huge part of you. And, and again, it goes back, I mean, that's that you've almost created your own story off of these other stories. And I just, I find that fascinating. But as I said, you are an artist. So not only do you have this unique roadside attraction museum, but you actually do art installations and kind of you make your living that way. I mean, that's that's what you do. So yeah, I, I am a full time artist uh, right now. I am not in Lucas because I'm on site at a massive mural project and I'm wrapping it up this week. But it does mean that uh, the expo is only open by chance or by appointment because I do these large scale projects mm -hmm. in other towns and places. But that creative spark is also what makes me so interested in other people making things. And that's why it was so important to start gathering the stories of, of these iconic things because there's, there's always a story involved. And everybody's stories is a compilation of other people's stories too. So it's, it seems to me a natural progression, even though from the outside, I'm sure life as an artist <laughs> seems a little odd and uh, a collection of other people's monuments in small form also might seem a little bit odd. But yes, it is, it is my actual life that I get paid for. <laughs> I find it fascinating and I love when again, it's, it's a passion thing. And I think that when there's a passion behind it, it just makes it more interesting to everybody else. And, and I think that's what I really love about, about your little museum. Um, but it is located in Lucas, Kansas. Now, did you grow up in Lucas or no? No. Um, and I was on the road with the mobile museum before I landed in Lucas. Uh, so I, I developed the first mobile museum that had this exploration while living on the road full time. And I was traveling to small towns with some sort of integrated arts component. And I knew about Lucas from studying uh, folk and outsider and visionary art. And Lucas has one of the very oldest in the nation. 
the Garden of Eden built mm -hmm. uh, it, between 1907 and 1932. Mm -hmm. So it was on my radar. I came through Lucas and volunteered in town for about a month and lived uh, in, in my RV down by the lake. And while I was there, I went to an auction and a house sold for less than the price of a used car. And I was like, I'm living in a bus and I could find money to buy a full house here. So I started looking around and the house next door to this iconic visionary art site was for sale again for less than the price of a used car. And that's the only reason that I live not just in Lucas, but in Kansas, because I could buy a house with cash. It was in smack dab in the middle of the US, which meant that if I still wanted to be on the road, I was in the middle of everything. It's the same distance, north to south, east to west. And I was thinking of it originally as a home base, but over the years, it's very much turned into a home in a supportive community. You know, I think that's one of the things I love about the Midwest is that it does seem like everything is just within driving distance. Um, you just look at it and go, oh, I can drive that. Um, but I, I wonder, now, Lucas is known as the grassroots art capital of Kansas. So I just have to wonder if you kind of felt like you fit in there, because, again, as an artist, you have your own, you know, your own drummer, right? And, and I have a girlfriend who is, uh, she's a uh, metal sculpture artist. And we've talked about this many, many times, how there are just places that you feel that you fit. Um, the, the vibe is right for you. So I have to wonder, did you feel like Lucas was a fit? Because it is, it's a quirky town. Yeah, and part of that too is that um, because art has been such a part of the fabric of Lucas, it's not considered odd or different. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. And it's rarely called art. It's just people doing things with the stuff that they have in an interesting way. And as soon as you took out that word art that sometimes divides people, mm -hmm. um, it became a very supportive place where they, they see me doing things and it's just, oh, Erica's doing stuff mm -hmm. and they'll come and help or be curious and talk about it. And so that friendship and that acceptance of people visibly working on something interesting without the without the label of artwork um, was just so accepted that it became very easy to be there. And again, I, I thought of it as a home base at first, mm -hmm, just someplace mm -hmm. I'd come and go from because it was affordable. But that acceptance of somebody doing something interesting was so, so built in that mm -hmm. it did become a natural fit. And it, the thing I remember from our visit to Lucas was that Everyone was so welcoming of questions. You could ask, I mean, just literally anything. If you saw somebody doing something and you were curious, or if you were in one of the shops or the museums, you could, you could ask absolutely anything. And this beautiful conversation would come from it and you would learn so much. And, and it was, it was almost like no, there, there was not a stupid question that could be asked. And yeah. yeah, because it, the people who come through are from every walk of life and every interest level. They might not be there for art. They might be there because they're visiting the lake, which is a beautiful mm -hmm. 
a clear lake just 10 miles south of us. Mm -hmm. So they might not be familiar with the arts and asking questions that other people would think would be really basic, but all the questions are valid because it's, you're coming to Lucas in an exploratory mode mm -hmm. and everybody in Lucas understands that, hey, this is just a, a new potential friend and we should let them know what's going on and answer any question they have. I love, I love that, that term that you just used, an exploratory mode. I think that's a perfect way to describe not only visiting Lucas, but really traveling anywhere. But if people are coming into Lucas, like you said, the lake is beautiful and it's a perfect place, especially in the summer to go cool off. But Lucas does have some things that it really is known for. And you mentioned the Garden of Eden, which I think is probably one of their most well-known spots. But what other places in Lucas might people want to you know, have on their radar? Besides, you know, your lovely little museum if you're in. <laughs> yeah, so when I'm there, I my museum is right across from the Grassroots Arts Center. Mm -hmm. which also collects stories of these um, folks who weren't necessarily trained in art, in art, but are making objects. And they right now have a retrospective exhibit up of their years and years of collecting and exhibiting. Uh, there's a new artist co-op that just started in Lucas called Switchgrass. Mm -hmm. So not exhibiting artists, but selling local artists and craftsmen's work. Um, I don't know if I mentioned Brant's meat market, but there's a multi-generation meat market that does old school Czechoslovakian recipe, yitrnitsi um, and smoked sausages and the best beef jerky you will ever have. Perfect Just, road trip food. Yes, <laughs> road trip food and perfect for picnic supplies going down to the lake. And then there's other art environments in town too, scattered around the alleyways, the Florence mm -hmm. Diebel Rock Garden, or um, there's a couple who moved in who are doing some really great planting, but he's a stone sculptor. So oh, it's not so just art that's already been there. It's an active arts town mm -hmm. with people working in, in the spaces there to create more artwork, either to stay locally or like me, that travels to other places and installs and deinstalls in other states. That is so fascinating. And it, it's not something you expect in the middle of Kansas. I mean, to, to just be honest, it's, it's I, I don't know, a welcome break from monotony almost. Yeah, and in a town of 400. So this is a very high artist per capita mm -hmm. population. It really is. Now, because it is such a small town, uh, are there any places that you would recommend to stay in Lucas or would people need to look in the surrounding areas for accommodation if they were coming through? Yeah, there are a set of cabins, set in stone cabins right at the edge of Lucas. There's also a couple of Airbnbs, one of which is right across from the Garden of Eden. There's also a, a lodge that is a converted old folks home that has rooms. So there are um, also, not, they're not all non-traditional. So it's, we don't have a hotel, but we do have a lot of people who've converted things into housing, which oh, kind of adds to that experience. And you mentioned the butcher. So definitely you want to get some beef jerky and some sandwich meats and things like that. 
Um, and Czechoslovakian, uh, you're, you're kind of in that Czech area of Kansas. So you're going to find some good food. Yeah. Yeah. Some very hearty, um, very stick to your ribs food. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Erica, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Lucas is just, it's such this, it's, it's amazing, an amazing little gem right there in Kansas. And if people are road tripping north, south, east, west, like you said, it's right in the middle. So um, maybe, you know, off the interstate, but uh, well worth the trip. And that drive up the interstate is beautiful. So you won't regret the 17 mile detour it takes to get from I-70 to Lucas. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Jody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app or take a screenshot and tag me in your Instagram stories at Jody Halstead.